This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we get to today's Browns Film Breakdown podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, going to talk to you guys about sports.axios.com, following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Try to follow everything happening in sports. It's almost impossible. There are so many different outlets, so many different pieces of news. It really is a headache. Even if you if you do have Twitter, it can be a headache. Scrolling through every app, visiting every website on a daily basis, next impossible. That's why Axios Sports is the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox when you click to sign up. It's free at sports axios.com you'll get the best stories from the nba and nfl to cricket ping pong and everything in between axios sports also highlights the most important stats and trends giving you the ability to stay informed it's super simple to sign up and again it's free sports.axios.com not only will you be caught up but you'll also be that friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies so join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the daily news sports before it even begins and the best of all there's no paywall no subscription fee nothing that is free curated sports content delivered directly to you so sign up at sports.axios.com axios is a-x-i-o-s sports.axios.com again try for free 99 sports.axios.com and we're off baker mayfield undraftable off my board the cleveland browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job! Hasta la vista, baby! Touchdown! Welcome to Brown's Film Breakdown, the tough version of Brown's Film Breakdown. I'm Jake Burns, your host, writer at the OBR. And uh, going to talk to you guys about this miserable Browns 31-3 defeat at the hands of the 49ers here tonight on Monday Night Football. It's difficult to know where to really start, um, you know, with this game. I, I, I kind of scroll through the NFL stat sheet and, and, um, and look at some of these numbers. And First downs, 22-9, San Francisco. Um, uh, third downs, Cleveland was 1-11. of 11. San Francisco, not much better at 6 of 16, but more effective. The total net yards are where everything sort of blows up. 180 for Cleveland to 446 for San Francisco. 71 plays for San Francisco to 46 for Cleveland. 6.3 to 3.9. I don't need to keep spelling this out for you. 275 rushing yards uh, for the 49ers. They only threw for 171, uh, but they didn't really need to throw the football that much. Matt Breida, 11 for 114. Uh, Tevin Coleman, 16 for 97, a nice split for them there, both a touchdown. Uh, Mostert also had 7 for 34. George Kittle had a run for 18. 
and uh, Goodwin had a reverse for 15. Jimmy Garoppolo was 20 of 29, 181, a couple touchdowns. He was fine. George Kittle, 6 of 70 for a touchdown. Everybody else kind of kind of non-factors. Cleveland side, Nick Chubb still runs for 87 yards on 16 attempts. Thought he was running effectively when they gave him the football. Just didn't give him the football quite enough. And um, this is where it gets real ugly. Baker Mayfield was 8 of 22 for 100 yards, two picks. Odell threw a reverse there for, for 20 yards, or sorry, a little jet screen that they reversed. I like that play to start. Um, Receptions-wise, six targets apiece for Landry and Beckham, four for 75 for Jarvis, two for 27 for Bake, or sorry for Odell, and then Nick Chubb with a 12-yard screen catch, and um, that's about it. Defensively, 11 tackles for Joe Schobert, all seemingly solo tackles, eight for Whitehead, eight for Randall, six for Mac Wilson. On the 49er side, two sacks for Nick Bosa, four tackles. It felt like way more than two sacks. Um, pretty ridiculous effort from him. Almost an all-world effort from that rookie. We'll talk about that as we go. Uh, Cleveland side, Chad Thomas had a sack. I think that's his first NFL sack. And, uh, and Miles Garrett had a sack as well. No interceptions. Interception for Sherman and, um, and Williams for, for San Francisco. So... That's kind of the rundown of the stats. Should probably just go through kind of what went on throughout the game here. Um, so the game starts out. Cleveland takes the football. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't agree with this whole take. I get. I probably understand. I shouldn't say. I do understand the mindset with which Freddie is saying we're going to take the football and we're going to score and we're going to prove it. Didn't work last week. Didn't work this week. Uh, they have a nice little wrinkle play there where they do a jet reverse out of it and throw off of it for 20 yards. But then throw a quick screen to Odell that's dropped. A false start makes a second and 15. Nick Chubb runs for two yards, and then Baker's pushed out of the pocket right, and uh, Ricky Seals-Jones doesn't get his foot in. And you're punting. All of a sudden, you punt. Next play, it's an 83-yard touchdown. If you have not had a chance to watch that play, um, the, you know, anytime somebody runs wide zone, you cannot over pursue from the backside and Mac Wilson just takes off over the top, um, and, and leaves a, a, a easy cutback lane for the 49ers who bend it back. They did a nice job of doing kind of that counter belly scheme where they're, they're reversing out, handing off inside to the deep back and coming out the opposite direction. And, and Kyle Juszczyk just does a fantastic job. They get two on two blocking and then it's just... It's just um, Brita erasing the angle on, on Demarius Randall. So, um, you know, your backside will linebacker can't over-pursue, and, and that makes it easy in that situation. Then, to keep things going in the wrong direction, the Browns come back out, and the very first play, it's an interception. Richard Sherman picks it off. You know, I can't really totally tell what's going on with that play. You know, there's a lot of chatter about Callaway running some wrong. I, I don't know. It, it it looks like it was underthrown. We're leaving the backside tight end, Demetrius Harris, to block Nick Bosa. He just leaves the inside wide open, and it doesn't make any sense why he leaves the inside so unprotected. But Bosa crashes down the line, hits Mayfield, um, you know, starting what would be a um, you know a continual theme for, for Nick Bosa getting after Mayfield and helping to create a turnover. So San Francisco gets it. They end up quickly punting it back, though. The Browns then get the football. They go three and out with a sack. They have the first down run, incomplete to Odell, a ball that, you know, is a little high on the right sideline. You'll probably recall it should have been caught probably. But that's kind of my theme with Baker right now is he is he's not as accurate as he needs to be, and he's not making – look, your wide receivers need to make plays. Like, I'm a former quarterback. I, I know that. Like, they need to make plays. But – 
he needs to be more accurate too. That's got to be a part of the discussion. He misses a little high there, and, and it's a sack on third down when it's third and seven, and 49ers pin their ears back, and the Browns stand no chance. Um, you know, they, they punt it back. San Francisco gets it, and um, they they have a eight-play drive that ends with a touchdown, a Matt Breida touchdown, just methodically down the field. A face mask by uh, Devereaux Lawrence gives them 15 free yards, but they're just, you know, they threw a little reverse wrinkle in there too, but then all of a sudden 14 nothing. Browns get it back and go on a pretty, pretty, um, I don't know, this is a short one. They only go, they only go for... Uh, a couple plays here. They get a they get a first down on two Nick Chubb runs, and they um, you know they they give Odell a toss sweep, but then on third and three, this is where Mayfield fumbles. Right, it's third and three. He's rolling to his right. They run it. I got to draw this up, and I'll talk about this maybe later this week. But they're just running a drive concept. But the problem is the timing is wrong on both routes, so they're both standing in front of each other. Drive concepts a shallow with a dig behind it but it's hurried and there's no window to throw the football and Baker's trying to make a play and hanging on to the football too long and is loose with the football and it's a fumble. So 49ers get it back and um, uh, looks like they, they only, they end up punting. That's right. So they, they end up punting. They end up taking a, uh, or sorry, they don't punt. I'm reading this as we go, guys. I'm reliving it in my mind. They get it to the Cleveland 29. They miss a field goal. They miss a 47-yard field goal. If there's one thing San Francisco's got to get figured out, it's their field goal kicking because it was pretty terrible. Browns then get it and go 10 plays. Right? So they go 10 plays. Uh, nice little deep ball down the middle to Jarvis Landry for 25 yards. They get it all the way down to the San Francisco 12. And um, they throw a ball up the left hash to Demetrius Harris that gets knocked away. Callaway on a cross. Uh, they they they're sort of scrambling around. It, well, it's first and seven, and they have a negative five yard rush. I'm not sure what happened there. It looked like Nick tried to bounce it outside. I got to see the scheme. I got a Hugh Jackson, and I got to see the tape. But it, it's you can't go backward. If it's first and goal, which is already challenging enough from outside the five yard line on the seven to go, then go back to the twelve. You're making it even harder. So they end up kicking a field goal. San Francisco gets it back. They end up punting um, after a couple runs. Cleveland gets it at their own twenty two. Mayfield ends up throwing a nice 18-yard uh, completion to um, Landry on a comeback. The Browns get it down the field. They end up doing that little uh, fake toss to Beckham inside handoff. And Freddie had some nice wrinkles, man. Like, they, they did some different little fun wrinkles, but, uh, you know, they didn't have any structure or consistency. Uh, I still think they lack an identity offensively to have anything bread and butter. So if the wrinkle plays work and you're out of them after two or three Wrinkle play designs, you have to have something to fall back on. They don't have anything to fall back on that's consistent right now. But anyway, they pop that run for 21 yards. I'll break that down later in the week. Get it down to uh, to the 14. And on first down, I think they run a little uh, jet sweep or reverse to Beckham that gets them down to the 7. They run a one-yard play. Then they run the interception, which it's wide open. They're running just a little inside drive, square in off of it. It's an easy throw and catch for six points to make it 14-10. But the ball ends up a little bit on... Callaway's back hip he goes to reach back to catch it doesn't catch it listen I got scolded on Twitter I think the ball could be thrown more accurately while I also think that football should have been caught there's no excuse from either side in my opinion you know if you're going to look at the reasons why it's dropped there are reasons typically you know sometimes you put it on their chest and their hands and guys catch it or drop it and it's like that's the wide receiver's fault nobody else this is where the quarterback could have been more accurate, but this ball is normally caught in the NFL every week. So it's like 
There's a little bit of blame to both. Maybe it's 90-10, but I'm just saying, my tweet is saying, accuracy in those situations helps, and he could help him, but Callaway has got to catch the football. This guy's coming back from letting his team down four weeks uh, with a suspension, and then, you know, t- tonight he, he, he seems lost on the first interception. Whether that's his fault or not, I don't know, but it's 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 fair to question it. And then he has the false start on this drive that actually pushes them back uh, five yards. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's it's uh, um, this ball that he drops that he can't drop. He can't he can't drop it. He needs to make those plays to be a big part of this team, and he's just not helping enough. So the 49ers get it at the uh, 49-yard line after the return. They throw one to Kittle, um, and then, um, you know, as, as time's running down, they get it to, to fourth and one and run for eight yards, and then Tevin Coleman takes it in 19 yards off left edge for a touchdown, and it's all of a sudden 21-3 uh, with, with two minutes left in the half. So the Browns get it back. They go three and out. Uh, incomplete pass to Landry, a sack, and then another the, the sack makes it, you know, third and – Bosa sack makes it third and 21. They just drop it off. They go into halftime. Listen, they come out in the second half, and it's like, okay, if they can get a stop and somehow find a way to score, and it can be 21-10, you can start to have a conversation about a comeback. But the 49ers go nine plays, 90 yards, and, and hit Kittle up the left seam for a 22-yard touchdown pass after just chunk playing them. Um, you know, they, this is the first time it felt like the 49ers actually ran their play action zone stretch stuff and it worked and, and, uh, there were gaping holes there, but that makes it at that point, 28, three, there's no scoring the rest of the way. It's pretty ugly. There's really no significant plays from, from Cleveland, the rest of the game defensively, I guess they were fine. They blocked a kick, which is great. Uh, special teams were fine tonight, but I'm not going to bore you with the rest of that. I'm just going to talk to you about kind of the situation of things and where everything sits. So, you know, with 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 Baker Mayfield, um, it's tough. I I, I don't I don't want to be the guy who, um, you know, is uh, is is just bashing him consistently. But I'm at the same, like at the same time, I understand he he has to to play better. Like he's he has four touchdowns, eight interceptions. He's completing under sixty percent of his passes. There's something going on here, and I I I've, I've tried to write about it. I don't exactly know. What I do know is that the surrounding factors in terms of what's in front of him and what's being called, I don't think the play calling is helping entirely too much, and I certainly don't think the offensive line is as good as some people are trying to build it to be, and I, and, and, and I don't think those things are helping him. But he is not – he's also not helping himself. I think he's feeling overwhelmed by the pressure of where to go with the football he is not doing a good job of staying calm and comfortable comfortable working read one to read two. I, 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 I think this is a good question for him. I don't have a pulse for this. I don't know why he feels different, panicky. I will say this. Look, I was a shitty Division three quarterback at the college level, but I, had, I started my sophomore, junior year and had two really good seasons. Um by standards of what what it was at that level and where I was playing. But my senior year, uh, for some reason, everything felt like it was collapsing down on me. We They weren't protecting very well in front of me, which that happens. Like sometimes offensive lines get overwhelmed. It's not to pick on anybody, but it sped up my internal clock. I was, I take blame for it. I was, I was genuinely bad. I think I only threw for three touchdowns in seven and a half games. I was hurt for a little while, but like my point is I threw like, like 11, 12 t- interceptions. It's like, 
I'm not saying I'm Baker Mayfield or don't take this the wrong way, but I'm saying the feeling of like the field shrinking. Mayfield is six for twenty-four in the red zone for thirty-four yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Like you get this feeling as a quarterback that wherever you look, it's going to be the wrong place to look. And wherever you throw any 50-50 ball, it's going to go to the other team. I remember thinking that when I was playing, like, I'm afraid to throw jump balls just because all of the luck is going the other way. Not, my guy's not going to come down. I just It's a mental, it's a weird sort of mental place to be where he doesn't feel like he can throw. T- he had 27 touchdown passes in 13 games last year. He's got four through five games right now. Like, it just, it, the, everything condenses on top of each other. And I'm not sure how they fix this. If I knew this answer... I would be coaching in the NFL. Like, I don't know. I don't know how they get on top of it. They they have to have a bread-and-butter system that is it – is, it is like the 49ers are, are really good at running stretch and running counters and then running some play action off of that that keeps the defense on their heels and keeps them out of predictable passing situations. The NFL is so hard to be in predictable pass situations because – defensive linemen are better than offensive linemen in general across the league defensive linemen are better and then when you get Bosa and D Ford and Eric Armstead these guys were ridiculously talented on San Francisco and you allow them to know hey I just have to rush the passer it creates such an advantage for the defense and it's it's overwhelmingly challenging and the Browns have not and they did it again they did not stay out of those situations that involved less predictable pass situations so I get where Mayfield's feeling, like that overwhelming feeling he's he's going through, but he's the first overall pick. He's the franchise savior. He has got to figure it out, and Freddie Kitchens has got to help him. He has got to give him some easy throws. He gets next to zero schemed easy rhythm throws. They throw some screens, and that's great. That's fine, but like there's no naked bootlegs. There's no counteraction with an open drag. There's none of those things that happen often enough for him, and again, Baker's got to be a better decision maker and a better processor and handle the pocket better. Like, it's all the above. It's still the second season of his career. He's barely played a full 16 games now. He he he's got a lot. His the 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 decision on who he is as a player is so far from being made. But I do know that they're having a rough time with it right now, and there is no perfect answer to how they fix it. There's no trading for Trent Williams or whatever. He, he can help, but that guy also hasn't been playing football in like two months now. How's he just going to stay? He's probably four weeks away if he gets here. You don't know, man. Like That's not an easy answer. So they have to figure out who they are, what they want to do, how they can build schematic deception off of what they do already and, um, and give their quarterback some easy throws, man. He's still not taking enough shots downfield, especially not in the middle of the field. So... I don't know. I don't know. I gotta watch this game, watch it back to see. But I, I just know where the feeling, and I know that everything feels like it's on top of him right now. And for all of these guys, it feels that way. And it's like every mistake is magnified. It's a terrible feeling when your offense is not clicking and you can't figure out what's wrong with it. It is a really crummy feeling. So I, I don't know. I don't have the answer for how it gets fixed, but they have to. Uh, you know, they have to fix it. They have to, like, if you watch the Browns' defensive line, they they are uncertain about what is happening to them. Um, if it's a run play, how they're playing run fits, and then getting to the – it's not like that for other teams right now that are playing the Browns, and it is sort of manifesting itself into really predictable situations and crumbling pockets. And it's not just always one lineman. It is sometimes – 
a different one on every play, and then it's, you know, Baker doesn't help himself on another play that they do protect well. So it's just, it's frust- it's it's frustrating to watch. When, when, fo- when offensive football looks like it did tonight, it's some of the most miserable stuff to watch as a fan, and um, I empathize. I get it. It was frustrating for me to watch, too. We'll search for answers this week as best uh, as best we can. But let's chug on. I mean, I, I thought, um, you know, some good podcast questions were sort of sent over at Tim NFL. Tim Tim's a good follow. I follow him. Some good questions. You know, he asked about Antonio Callaway. Is he worth the headache? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, the guy has some special skills, but he's very inconsistent. And is he ever going to be a finisher of plays? You know, when you look back to the Raiders – chunk play over the middle last year he doesn't get it into the end zone the Browns end up not being able to score a touchdown on that drive this is going way back I just remember a lot of plays the Texans deep post that he catches fumbles at the one yard line um you know and it's like tonight I I don't I don't know I don't know if if he's worth the headache is the skill set worth it you know this is this is a conversation that was tough to answer before you even had the suspension so you know, how's his psyche going to be moving forward? He's under the microscope of Monday Night Football and making a mistake and everybody's talking about I, I, yeah, guy. I don't know. I, it, Higgins has to play, though. Higgins has missed four games in a contract year where everything's on the line and he's four games into missing and it's like he's been practicing and then he's not playing. I, I don't know. The, the wide receiver's position was supposed to be a group of, um, you know, in, in, impressive depth, but other than the, the top two, the LSU duo, I don't feel great about it right now. You know, I, I love Rashard Higgins, but he's getting to the point where his, his availability, a lot of people love to discuss availability being a problem. Well, Higgins is a problem in that department right now because he's not playing yet. He's practicing and he's, he's I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to question it. It's just weird. It's Freddie in over his head. He's a rookie head coach, man, who probably got hired before he should have gotten hired, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's over his head. Like that, that doesn't, it doesn't lock in that he's over his head, but but there's certainly some some unsettling trends. You know, uh, two absolute clunkers before the bye. Yeah, they've won two games and they went into Baltimore and did a nice job, but they they uh, they they've been housed twice, and 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 that's that's not good, man. Like even Hugh Jackson, some some people on Twitter pointed out, even in Hugh's worst year, they didn't lose in this magnitude of games. Like these have been ugly and. There have been some questionable decisions. The fourth and nine draw, the, the having Odell return the punt late in the game. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I It's so soon. I, I don't want to Chudzinski his first year and just say he's done. But there are some unsettling patterns that if you if you were going to ridicule Hugh Jackson over, you have to keep the same sort of energy um, about about those things. Uh, with with Freddie that they, that he needs to be criticized and I don't know I, I here's what I do know the Kinsey and PZ article or discussion that was had by Bob Wiley um, you know I, I I think the thing that to, to take away from that is is not that Bob Wiley was saying that that Ken was the quarterback or sorry the game plan master he was making all of these wrinkles that we all love last year I think he was trying to say that how Baker was playing was a direct manifestation of Ken Zampisi's quarterback coaching and how he was teaching Baker to, to handle the pocket and maneuver it. Ryan Lindley seems like a nice guy, but there's got to be some questioning about the steps back that Baker has taken and whose fault that ultimately is. Now, there could be no reflection of quarterback coaching or teaching or anything. Lindley was around Ken Zampisi. You know, I think Lindley took over running backs, but he was at least around to know what the quarterbacks were doing day to day, and he had to have sought out help. 
He played quarterback in his past. I don't know. It could ultimately all fall on Baker's shoulder, these steps back that have happened. But there are certainly um, certainly steps back that have happened that, that there, there there should be some hard questions asked about those steps back. And um, uh, I don't know. I don't know where that stuff falls. It's tough. Like a lot of you on Twitter, you know, you want answers for this stuff. And some of those things, like I don't know unless I'm inside the coaching office. I, I, I genuinely don't know uh, any anything about it. And – you know, people can speculate. They can say whatever they want. Some of the decisions, whether Baker's under center, whether he's in shotgun, why, I don't know. I don't know what their thought process is behind it. They want to maybe set up some more deception and play action. Like, some of those things make sense to me, but the execution is failing. Defensively, um, not not good. I think that the film is going to be particularly tough on them. The run fits were really, really bad, and uh, we, we're going to have to watch it. It's really hard. It's probably the hardest thing is to watch run fits in uh, in in on, on the TV camera angle because you just can't see where the alleys are and who's supposed to fit who. Some things pop out pretty obviously, like Mac Wilson's issue there earlier. But um, you know, for the most part, I have to watch the film defensively. There are not many positives to take away from tonight. Jamie Gillen kept punting well. He seems to have figured out or mastered the forward role on his punts. I don't know who that guy is paying to with the aerodynamic gods or whatever he's doing, but there's no back backwards movement on his punts. It's all forward, and he even got one to stop inside the five. So that decision has worked out really well. He's having a nice season. He misses a punt every now and again. You can see it where he gets lucky and a bounce has happened, but for the most part, he's still getting a hold of the football okay. I don't know players who popped out. I, I You know, it's it's it all happened way too quick, and the beating was too brutal to truly know who played well, dude didn't. I did not think Greg Robinson played well. I did not think Joel Batonio played. It might have been Joel Batonio's worst game in a Browns uniform. He seemed to have been driven in the backfield and uh, and allowing runbys way too often. I have to watch the film on that, but uh, I, I just remember thinking to myself, man, Joel Batonio seems to be turning the gate loose a couple times when you don't see that from him, and they really can't afford it because he has to be, you know, he has to be their most consistent player. So, you know, here's the good thing: they're two and three. Um, they, they play Seattle. Seattle has to come to Cleveland off a of West Coast. You know, they get a long week. That's great, but they're making the West Coast travel for a 1 o'clock game, which is never easy. And, uh, and, 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 and a lot of what Russell Wilson does is sort of heroic football right now. They don't do a lot of stuff fantastically through scheme. Their defense, they have talent. Bobby Wagner's a freak, but they're not a great defense. So th- some things can be done to beat Seattle. If you can beat Seattle to go 3-3, three and three, all of a sudden, you go into New England off a of bye week, get some people back. New England's defense is ridiculous right now, but maybe they can figure something. It's not the end. My point is, it's not the end of the world. I don't like seeing two eggs laid like this before the before the bye week, but it is not the end of the world. In the second half of the season, the Lions to give them a ton of chances to win. We're only a a third of the way through the season now, a little under a third because of 16 weeks or sorry, 16 games. But just settle in. It's not the end of the world. Like, I'm worried. Put it this way. I'm worried about Baker. I'm worried about what they're doing offensively. I'm worried about Freddie. But I, I'm not panicked, and I'm not giving up hope, and I'm not giving up, um, you know, on this team in general because it's still very early. They have played some pretty talented teams up to this point. Some of their losses, they have to – it's all about how they respond, though. How do they respond? Freddie talks about this all the time. He's a big toughness guy handling adversity. You know, you're not going to win every game in the NFL. And in, in this season, we all looked at the schedule early on. We 
every almost every single one of us and said this is going to be extremely challenging. I thought before the year the 49ers were going to be a very good football team. A lot of people weren't talking about them, and I thought they should. They proved it tonight. They're 4-0. You know, the teams that the Browns have lost to, Tennessee laid a clunker, but they, you know, they, they're okay. And, um, you know, the Rams or the Rams are 3-2, and two, but it's it, they're – there isn't a there isn't a terrible loss on that schedule so far. So like they they have to win the games they're supposed to. This is a Seattle game's probably a coin flip, and then they're fighting an uphill battle in Foxborough. But then you get the back half of the schedule. If they can get to three wins by the back half of the schedule, or even crazy enough, win the next two, there's a lot of games to be won on there. You have four division games that are very winnable against Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Miami, Arizona. That's seven games, six seven games right there. If you sprinkle in. You know, one more with the Bills. The Bills are a good football team, don't get me wrong. But there's just games. There's a ton of opportunity on the back half. And the AFC North is not that good. You know, Baltimore's 3-2, and two, but, you know, Baltimore's not very good. So there's a lot of opportunity here. Everything is everything the Browns want, which the want is to win the AFC North. It is all still sitting there for them, as ugly as tonight was. And um, they have to, they just got to have to figure it out. They have to become some kind of consistent offensively. And um, my hope is that they will find a way to do that and find a way to do it quickly because they will need to score to uh, to beat Seattle. So, yeah, that's a wrap, guys. We are going to uh, move on from this. I will write a couple pieces probably on Baker's red zone struggles, look at something defensively about run fits, but uh, it's not going to be a fun week of writing. I like when they win because there's a lot more fun stuff to write on. This is not fun. I don't want to be negative. I really don't. I was way too negative early in the year, and I think I don't. I, I'm trying to avoid that negative vibe, and uh, hopefully give us some positive vibes. Sit on while also being realistic with you about who's playing well and who's not. So, feedback I always appreciate. Uh, you know, let me know what you guys are thinking. Let me know, um, you know, any questions you have. I tried. There's so many questions that are thrown to me. My my direct messages get stuff in there. I'm sorry if I don't get to. I have a life, guys. I I gotta stay off Twitter sometimes. <laughs> I, my son, I'm home with him alone most most days. You know, the wife's a saint. She works out of the house. So, I but listen, I appreciate the question. I'll try to get to as many as I can. And um, you know, thanks for subscribing, and 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 all of that great stuff that you guys do on iTunes and all of that uh, is obviously extremely appreciated. I, I just want you guys to know that. And go to seriously, go to uh, sports.axios.com and get that newsletter cultivated around the Browns and get everything delivered to you in one fell swoop on that newsletter. They're a great company who uh, who I use too to get some different stuff thrown into my inbox every day. So again, that one's sports.axios.com. We will be back. Should have a fun uh, preview of who Seattle is for you guys later this week, and we'll move on. It's on to Seattle. We're going to forget this one, and um, and hopefully this Sunday we'll have a better result and Browns get their first home victory. So until then, guys, go Browns. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.